0: It's time for another episode of A Dad and a Daughter Talk Nerding Football. Now, from Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, and Belmont, California, here is Maggie and Matthew Paveo. All right, everyone, we are back at the kitchen table. Maggie, this has been such a long week. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
0: I think if you had asked us uh, on Saturday how we were doing, it was pretty miserable, uh, but we have regrouped, and we are uh, back to talk Notre Dame football here on a Friday evening. But we must start this discussion talking about Notre Dame's 37-35 to point loss or 37 uh, 35 loss to Oklahoma state in the fiesta bowl. It was a disappointment because things started off so well with their name leading 20 to seven late in this first half, Only to see it kind of fall apart there with a late first half drive and then complete um, disaster in the second half. And probably could have lost by more, but I don't want to, you know, a few fumbles here and there and things like that. Um, but we're not going to ha- completely harp on the negative. We will talk about, um, some of that but um let's talk about the good parts uh because there were some definitely good parts maggie anything that having a player or two that stood out to you during this game
1: yeah so if you asked me just after the first half i'd be like wow jack Cohn's playing the game of his life and then the second half came around and i was like it's jack Cohn. this is more like the jack Cohn i know when he's just missing receivers left and right and just not being mobile at all and I know we're supposed to be talking about players that are good. So I will <laughs> say that um, a player that was good uh, was Drew White, who I wow. would not be saying at the beginning of his yeah. career because we had a rocky... It's one-sided. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that
0: he's really bothered by you. But... Yeah.
1: Um, but this game, I think he really picked it up and definitely helped his draft stock on an individual level. And um, those last few drives when it was weird, Mm-hmm. When we they just kept fumbling when they were right. about to like seal Wait, a big the deal. Hit.
0: I mean, I mean, yeah. Drew had a huge hit. Then.
1: Yeah, he would like get the fumble at like the uh the two or the
0: two, something. Like
1: two right? right when they're about to score. So I mean, he picked up the work towards the end of the game, but also you know football's a team sport. The rest mm-hmm. of the team didn't really play to that level.
0: Uh, the, the defense was exhausted. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. but Drew I, uh, seemed to keep that energy throughout the whole game yeah he was
0: it was was probably one of drew white's best games i agree with you there um i jack Cohn stands out just because of stats especially in the first half um you know he had 509 passing yards you know five touchdowns and you tell me that if you told me that at the beginning of the game that that jack Cohn would throw for 509 yards and five touchdowns i'd be like sweet we're getting this victory easy um but a uh, really bad interception hurt and a fumble by dig turnovers really hurt Notre Dame uh, kind of general sloppiness hurt Notre Dame missed tackles, things like that. Um, but well, we were talking about good players, right? Uh, Lorenzo styles played fantastic um, eight catches, 136 yards and a touchdown. Um, and Chris Tyree probably played his best game coming out of the backfield. Um, so those two were positive. I thought Joe alt and Blake Fisher also, fantastic two starting right tackles for, or two starting tackles at fresh as freshmen played uh, extremely well against a really tough defensive line for Oklahoma State. Now let's talk about some of the bad. We already kind of dove into it. Maggie, who was disappointing?
1: See the funny thing is I was thinking about individual performances. And even though I did say one player, um, it just seemed like w- for the most part the team played well, but the people that played bad played terribly. So um, for instance, Clarence Lewis, um, I have not had the most confidence in our defensive backs, um, this past year. And I thought they were picking it up a little bit, uh, but Clarence Lewis still needs some work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll maybe talk about his future with the team later on when we mm-hmm. talk about transfer portal, but, mm-hmm. oh, wow. okay. um, I don't know, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and it just seemed like on those last few drives and we needed something to happen in a de- and the defense to get a big stop, boom, pass interference. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about whether some of the calls were pass interference or not, but maybe we just were in the bat a mean, bad headspace for <laughs> <yeah, laughs> you
0: know saying that. Presley, the guy who was guarding, had pr- primarily guarding, had ten catches for one hundred and twenty some odd yards, and uh, I think I believe he's a freshman. I mean, Clarence is, has to have a bigger game than that. Um, I know he's maybe not your prototypical defensive back, but he has to have a better game in a big pivotal situation. I thought that the pass rush was uneven. Uh, sometimes it was awesome; other times it was just non-existent, uh, allowing a very mediocre quarterback for Oklahoma State to have a great day, especially in the second half. I don't know what the defensive calls were at the end of the second half. They didn't seem to have their nickel out there. They had Jack Kaiser running around with people, and that's not to say Jack Kaiser. He actually did. It was pretty good coverage on the guy. It was a nice play, Um, but that play down the middle uh, right at the end of the second half was probably, or the end of the first half, was probably one of the bigger plays in the half. So um that was just, it was just mistakes, you know, first game coaching mistakes. You just saw it. You, you, you kind of just feel like that was a game to put away. And a, a veteran coach, Brian Kelly would have probably now, would Brian Kelly ever be up 28, seven against Oklahoma State? Probably not. Um, but he would have, if he was given that, he would have put it away. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think they were 70 something, to know 72 and 0 or something like that. All right. Now that's not just, 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 harp on bad play, you know, people that had tough games. I mean, um, Bertrand missing tackles left and Mm -hmm. right. Uh, That was not his best game. Uh, So he's going to need to get tougher in the offseason. But there are silver linings. So there was a lot that was good in that game. And I don't think we can forget that. So a silver lining for me, and maybe you can share one too, um, is that this was a giant step forward. I mean, when was the last time, you know, it's a real silver lining, but Notre Dame was dominating that first half and they haven't played that that in a bowl game. I mean I guess they did against the Iowa State but that was a lesser bowl game in a, in a major bowl game, they haven't played that well for at least for a half in a long time. they you know none of the games they've played have been competitive even uh, in the, the New York Six Bowls and just, certainly in the playoffs. So at least they were compa- they've made a step forward uh, this year with at least with Freeman. I, I thought they, they took a mighty step forward. Should they have put this game away? Absolutely. Um, but in the past, they would have been blown out in the first quarter. So Eddie, what's the silver lining for you, Maggie?
1: Oh, I think if you look at the who scored the touchdowns, um, they're the five touchdowns. Out of the five, four of them were scored by either sophomores or freshmen. Um, Lorenzo Styles got his first touchdown of the year, or his career, I guess. And then Chris Tyree ran one in. Which was good because you know Kyron's not going to be there next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and then Michael Mayer got two mm-hmm. right when we needed them. Right. Um, and Michael Mayer also was just making catches, oh, at yeah. first downs. Like yeah. when you needed him, he was there. Right. Um, and the other, the last, the fifth touchdown it was, Kevin, um, Austin, was Kevin Austin. Who's not coming back, but right. Right. it was good. It was good no, for him. Right. Good you're for gotcha, him. Right. Uh,
0: young players all over the place. I'll add. I already said them, but I'll add uh, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. I mean, if you look at the players that really played well it's a lot of our freshmen and sophomores. I totally agree with you. Uh, maybe it would have been nice to see Tyler Buckner out there. Uh, the situation just never seemed to be right, I guess. Um, but, man, loaded with young talent. It, you know, we're, all those guys are coming back, and they're, they're hungrier now more than ever. Um, and I will have, make everybody look back to the 1987 bowl game. If you look it up, it was the bowl game right before Notre Dame won the national championship. They got blown out by Texas A&M. I believe it was in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, so, you know, I think this kind of i think it's actually a real silver lining again it really sets us up almost better that we lost i think if we had won there would have been so much just praise and this is Mm -hmm. it and we are especially if we'd blown them out the way we were doing it would have just been almost even more difficult to get fired up we gotta play ohio state at ohio state in the first game next year and that almost the whole season kind of hinges on that game as far as like are we going to be considered a legitimate championship threat um so the more you have a chip on your shoulder going into the game, that game, the better. If you had had everybody just, you know, saying, oh my God, Notre Dame is back. This is it. They are the number, you know, they've gotten ranked probably in the top four. Um, if they had won, maybe in the top two, if they had won that game the way they were winning it. Um, so uh, this is good in respect to next season. So if you're going to play, I mean, you know, and it would have been nice for the seniors to win and they'd, you know, with all the turmoil that was going on in the school, it would have been nice uh, to get the bowl with, but uh, this sets us up for a big, big, uh off season of really some hard work you know that that score in that game is going to be on their minds the whole way so um bummer the first 15 minutes were incredible after that uh maybe i'll just watch that whenever it comes on again i'll just watch the first 15 minutes (laughs) all right are we done talking about the fiesta bowl
1: it's in the past
0: We don't need to talk about it anymore Mm -hmm. okay so we thought maybe we this whole show would be talking about the fiesta bowl um, but there's so much other stuff to talk about this week. Uh, Notre Dame football is just going, going, going. Maybe we're tied in or something. But um, let's talk about a lot of players. We had talked about this for the last couple of shows players we thought were staying or thought were going. But um, a lot of players are staying. So here's a list of the uh, list that I got so far: um, Braden Lindsey, George Takis, Josh Lug, the Adam and Lola brothers, uh, Houston Griffith, Avery Davis, we were hearing is going to come back. We, we haven't had a final, final on that. Um, Joel Wilkins Jr. Uh, seems to be probably coming back. Also, um, which one of those are you most excited that's staying? Right? I mean, some of those are surprises.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say you know most excited. I have to s- maintain my brand and say Braden Lindsey. Yeah. Um, just because even though people said people said that he didn't play great in the festival, I'm going to disagree. I think he played better than he had. Maybe he just had more catches, but um, definitely showing more of like the Braden Lindsey from two years ago. Uh, so it was a good decision, I think, on his part to um come back. Uh, and then also Josh Lug, uh, we didn't think that he was coming back, I don't think. No, you're gonna have to look back at the episodes when we talked about that. But no, um, I thought he was gone. Yeah. So it was nice it was nice to see him coming back and um adding a little bit of maturity is the wrong word, um, but see, experience, experience. Experience on the offensive line next season.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about the offensive line, and I want to talk about Josh Lugg as far as that um, when we get uh, a little bit further down. Um, I, Houston Griffith, of course, a podcast favorite, is coming back. I think this is this is the year, Maggie, that he's coming back. This is the year that Houston Griffith shines at the safety position. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Brown also announced today uh, that he's come back. With him. I am still actually still concerned about Brayden Lindsay. I saw today a post um, that he liked, uh, something about him hanging out in near Oregon State. So, that
1: was University of Oregon. I
0: thought it was in Corvallis. I thought it was uh, Oregon State. Uh, so, uh, and he liked it. So that makes me nervous. But he's, you know, said he's coming back. So I've got to take him at his word. I am excited for him as always too, because I, I think, especially with Tyler Buckner taking over, assuming he does, um, that's a big. I think that's good for Lindsay also. All right, and then the big one tomorrow. Uh, Isaiah Foskey is announcing tomorrow if he's coming back. He certainly looked like a pro player in the festival, which makes me nervous about his decision. But with everybody coming back, do you think he is the one that isn't coming
1: back? See, the more time, he's, he's like, okay, a few, like probably a week ago, he was like, okay, the eighth, or less than a week, uh, the eighth is what I'm deciding. And I just feel like if you were not coming back to Notre Dame, Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like he wouldn't make a big deal of it. It's mo- more likely they're producing a video uh, of him to be like, oh, he's like walking around campus. And he's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all the memories. And then he's like, Jeez. let's run it back or something. And then he was like, I'm returning for my last year. And I just feel like maybe that's what I want to happen.
0: Yeah, Maggie has a whole plot.
1: <laughs> if that happens, then... I'm- I wasn't in on it. If you're wondering, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think he's coming back.
0: I, I think so too. And I think you, your, your point is, is a good one that why would you even set a date if you weren't going to come back? Like you are set it bring everybody together to, to break their hearts. Like, why would you do that? So yeah. I'm pretty confident he's coming back. I've heard rumors that he is, but you know, rumors can be rumors. Um, so that would be a huge pickup. I think if he does come back, he has a potential to be another top five draft pick, uh, next year especially after the way he played in the um, Fiesta Bowl another year with Marcus Freeman and, and that defense, whoever, whatever coordinator they end up getting. Um, we'll see, we'll see, that's that's hopeful. All right, so a lot of talk and we've been talking about it and it is the new thing this season about the transfer portal and, and certainly Notre Dame has needs. Um, but one of the, the players they're talking about is Northwestern safety Brandon Joseph, who I believe is scheduled for a visit to Notre Dame, something like that, uh, coming up shortly. What do you think, Brandon Joseph? Excited by that? Meh, nah, whatever. Um, what do you think?
1: Well, as I alluded to it before, I would love to see him add a little bit more, I'm going use this word again, experience um, to the defensive back uh, position. I don't have faith in um, Clarence Lewis at the moment. Uh, and I don't think I really should considering his performance on um, Saturday. Uh, so adding Brandon Joseph, I've seen a lot of people compare him to Kyle Hamilton and I'm a fan of Kyle Hamilton, so <laughs> yeah. I like those comparisons, uh, and I and I think Northwestern and Notre Dame academically are very similar programs, yeah. mm-hmm. so that would make sense, and especially because he was excelling on that team, which didn't do great last year, um, yeah. I think it would make a lot of sense for him okay. to transfer.
0: I, I'm a little less excited by I don't think he's Kyle Hamilton, I think those are well, yeah. generation type <laughs> players, um, but um I, I just because it not be anything against him i think he's probably a really good player i mean he was all big, second team big 10 or something like that he's a, he's a decent decent safety um uh, i'm concerned that you have too many safeties at this point you have houston griffith you have dj brown you have maybe clarence lewis moving back to safety um we have quincy watts playing safety xavier watts. xavier watts i always say quincy xavier watts playing safety uh, who's playing safety or do we make, move Xavier Watts back to wide receiver? I mean, you, you have a real glut of safeties all of a sudden. Now I know a few of those Clarence was probably not moving back to safety, but you know, Xavier Watts, who knows what they're going to do with him. Maybe he goes back to receiver. I mean, they need mm-hmm. receivers. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. The, of all the positions I wouldn't, you know, tight end might be the only other one. I'm like, they're not going to get a tight end on the transport. They have seven tight ends right now under scholarship. So a few of those are going to have to leave or lose their scholarships. I don't know if they wouldn't do that. I, I don't know what they're going to do. So, uh, interesting times to watch the roster. I mean, they're well over, I think they're over their scholarship amount right now, which is 85, I think. So they have till, you know, before the end of the year. And then could be some more people. So like you've been looking it out. I mean, we were hoping for Shaki Jacques-Louis, but yeah, uh, yeah. he's going off to Akron. Anybody else that you think might come to Notre Dame?
1: I mean, I haven't.
0: Or that you want to come to Notre Dame?
1: I haven't really looked into it uh, in too much depth. Um, I would be fine with Brandon Joseph. I did want Chucky Jacques-Louis, who is a wide receiver from Pitt just because, mostly because of his name. Um, and also cause wide receiver No, it's great. Sure. Um, wide receiver is kind of a position where light, lighter at if, I mean, I know we're over scholarship, so are we really light at any position? Um, I don't really want a quarterback because I trust Tyler Buckner. And even if I don't trust Tyler Buckner that much, we have Drew Pine and together I trusted <laughs> So yeah, I don't really have like, if we get someone that's great, but I don't feel like we need anyone.
0: I mean, a Mario Williams from Oklahoma makes a lot of sense, a wide receiver, uh, uh, freshman All-American, you know, a real player at uh, think thing. Um, I don't know, I forgotten his name, but Rocket Ishmael's nephew, supposedly a wide receiver oh, yeah. out of Villanova, uh, who's like six six or something ridiculous, right? I think he's huge, um, has a real shot, it may be coming. Um maybe Brendan Rice from Colorado or <laughs> looking mean, at
1: family members
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i don't know there's a kid out of Vanderbilt i was looking for his name i can't i can't see it but there's a kid out of Vanderbilt that i actually think has a real shot at coming to Notre Dame uh, Vanderbilt good program guy had some good a lot of catches good choice um so we'll see i think wide receiver is the position i would look for i don't think anything else is really of need mm-hmm. especially if Foskey's coming back um, I don't know what that does for Jordan Botello. I'd be worried about him entering the transfer portal, um, but we'll see. You know, Marcus, some of Marcus Freeman's best recruiting is going to happen right now, which is just keep guys that you want on the team. And I think they want Botello. Um, I know what they do. Yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't you? But um, we'll see what what shakes out. I mean, that, that'll be interesting to watch. If, if Foskey sh- should stays, which I hope he does because he's awesome, um, will Botello stay? Because Botello is the heir apparent to that position. All right. What about Caleb Williams? A lot. Of, there has been some talk. The qu- quarterback from Oklahoma who entered the transfer portal kind of about as a surprise. Um, do you think we should even be talking about this, Caleb Williams? <laughs> I and mean, people are maybe but I, he's not coming to Notre Dame. He, I think, he's all but said that. But why should why are we even talking about this? Are, are Buckner and Pine that's good for you, or do you think we should be looking for something else?
1: Well, I believe Caleb Caleb Williams has probably the same amount of years left as. Buckner maybe Pine I mean Pine only one year older than Buckner um so we would probably be seeing the rest of the time of Buckner and Pine just be Caleb Williams instead if he did join the team and I mean I watched him a little bit and he's better than Rattler but I don't know if that's saying a lot a lot <laughs> yeah. um and he just doesn't, doesn't really seem like the type of guy that we would want a quarterback. Right. Right. Um, so i'm fine with he's pine not coming
0: buckner. but I, I i i just don't think there's much of a drop i think tyler buckner is just right there with him i think he's an elite talent i think you could get a little more seasoning another off season to grow the kid is a, is a smart kid he's gonna be able to study really well drew pine's a perfect kind of mentor for him and and can also come in and spell him i mean drew pine knows the game and knows the offense i think they're well set up at quarterback Steve jelly great to kind of be the next kind of person coming up so I I am frustrated when they talk about uh, bringing in a quarterback off the transfer portal. I just think that was a one-off deal with Jack Cohn. It was much needed because we had nothing really behind him um, because Clark got injured um, and never really, you know, settled into the position. So I I just think this is just, you know, off season chatter. That's useless. All right. But you have a theory about or you saw a theory about transfers. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you should just share that theory and maybe we can make a quick prediction about, I don't know, some transfer or, What's your prediction? What's what's your what have you found?
1: Yeah, so I was scrolling through the app TikTok, which is like short little videos, and I came across a video by um, Jack Mac Barstool. So I believe he's affiliated with the Barstool brand. Yeah, and he has done some research on um, the transfers of Keaton Slovis, um, who was from USC and transferring to Pitt, um, and then also of uh, the Wyoming quarterback um, who's transferring to Utah State. And I believe there was a third one but those were the two um that he mainly talked about there's a third one but it only takes two to show this example um (laughs) but it it was found out that their girlfriends play for some sports team um oh the third one is uh adrian the guy from nebraska
0: who just martinez
1: martinez yeah Mm -hmm. um all of their girlfriends play sports at the school that they're transferring to and (laughs) because um well adrian martinez actually is the weirdest one because he transferred within conference right uh which totally. is odd or not within con- maybe within conference i don't remember um it's just an odd move to make especially for Keenan slovis to go to Pitt. that's just kind of random um but if this rule is correct then that would mean that caleb williams is finding a new home in chapel hill because that's where his rumored girlfriend uh-huh. um attends
0: uh-huh we'll see that that see that would be okay so you're saying he's going to North Carolina because his girlfriend we need to look up I'm look, trying to look it up right now Shaki Jacques Louis does his girlfriend go to Akron that's all I, I have wonder. no idea yeah okay um big news as much as big news and hoopla as you're ever going to see for the hiring of an offensive line coach uh, happened just today mm-hmm. uh Harry Hestand is coming back to Notre Dame Brian Kelly is gone so Harry Hestand is coming back um <laughs> any thoughts about the that everybody's so excited for him to come back Thoughts?
1: I mean, I'm excited. I think our offensive line is already in pretty good shape, um, even though Jeff Quinn left. So I'm just looking at that for them to level up even more. And that's just blowing my mind already. Um, (laughs) So I'm very excited to see, um, I guess, his impact.
0: Can you imagine what he's going to do with uh, Alton Fisher? I cannot. I mean, and Tai Chan and all the young players also like a Steve or, um, uh, oh, what's his name? well, any of them, Josh Lugg. Was we talked about Josh Josh Lugg, I think, is probably going to move to guard, um, I think, to take over where Kane Madden is leaving. Um, we have to see what Jared Patterson is going to be doing, too. So maybe Lugg can – I think Lugg did play some center at certain points. Pretty big for a center. But um, Harry bringing coming in there with a lot of talent. Oh, Tosh ba- um, mm-hmm. uh, Baker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I still think Tosh Baker has such a perfect frame and can really be a player. I want to see what they, what Harry Houston can do with him. I just think the mentality is going to be so different. Um, you look at the guys he produced, the Quentin Nelsons, the Mike McLinchies, Um, This is really a big, big score. I, and like I said, I've never seen people so excited for an offensive <laughs> line coach hire as I have in Harry stand. So great, it's coming back. And the numbers played out. I think the I saw something today with like the year that they had both Ballas and stand, They rushed for like seven, almost seven yards a carry. It was like, and they won the Joe Moore Award. So. This could really be good for Notre Dame. We'll see what happens. Joe Moore award next year. That's Mm -hmm. the goal. All right. Speaking of awards, we're going to talk about the championship game real quick. Alabama, Georgia. We have about five minutes we can talk about this. We don't have to take that long. What's your thoughts on who's going to win the big game? Right now, I believe Georgia's like a two and a half point favorite.
1: That's surprising to me that they're favored. Um, But, you know, there's a stat, going multiple stats going around about like the history of a a second matchup, Notre Dame and Clemson had the same situation last year and followed that same pattern of the first time, ta- like the t- different teams winning each one. And if that's the case, then Georgia would be s- predicted to win this one. Um, and I really want Georgia to win because this year my mentality has been anyone but Alabama. Uh, so yeah, I want Georgia to win. Win for Georgia, mm-hmm.
0: okay. Um, but who do you think's gonna win?
1: Nah, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that confident, but I want Georgia to win.
0: So, Maggie's going with Alabama. Why do you think Alabama's going to win?
1: It's Nick Saban, right. and it's the, the Heisman yeah. Trophy winner. Right. And we thought that there were going to be cracks in the team. And then we watched that Cincinnati game. And yeah, it was Cincinnati. Who knows if they should have been there? But I don't, it uh, feels wrong to go against them.
0: I totally am the same. I, I so want to go with Georgia, but it just feels wrong to go against Nick Saban in the championship game. I just, and especially as an underdog, you know he's feeding all that to his team they're gonna be like why are we underdog we are better you know oh my goodness and kirby smart you know i guess he beat them they beat michigan that's his first kind of real big win that Kirby smart but man, and, and look at saban's record against his former coaches it's ridiculous how he just beats them down i also am going to go with alabama mm. You
1: know, but let it be known that i want georgia to win so either way it's a win-win i think I'll,
0: i think i want georgia to win too i mean i'm not a huge georgia guy either but you know something new, you know, mm-hmm. something new. The evil empire of Alabama can slow down a bit. Um, especially since, again, it's one of those seasons where you're like, I'm eh, not even sure they, they nearly missed the playoffs. I want to go and just yell at Auburn, man. They had them. We could have, didn't have to deal mm-hmm. with this at all. Um, but, you know, that's, that's Alabama football. They get that second life and they do not waste it. So, you know, kudos. I, I have nothing but respect for them. I just don't like to see them win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, Maggie. Well, That is a, we got through a lot in that show. Um, Any last words?
1: Have a good evening, everyone.
0: All right. Go Irish.
1: Thank you for listening. Join us next Friday night for another episode of A Dad and a Daughter Talk Notre Dame Football.